Welcome to Earth Riot Radio. I'm Reverend Billy. Here we are at the Church of Stop Shopping on a very rainy day. We're going to get six inches today. Woo! Just pouring down. Atmospheric rivers on the East Coast. Well, we have a question today that needs some rain and some sun, needs some nourishment, needs some thinking, some meditating, and that is this. What are the mentors that exist for us right now? What are the teachers? Who are they? Uh, what actions do they take that, that give us a way forward? A lot of the heroes that we think of as social change leaders, oh, Angela Davis, Mahatma Gandhi, uh, LaDonna Brave Bull Allard, I mean, Malcolm and Martin, they, just the people that come to mind often lived their lives in circumstances so different than ours. What do we have right now? We have cities bursting into flames. We have rivers and oceans flooding and killing instantly tens of thousands of people. We have 100 million people in boats climbing mountains, trying to find some mythical nation in which they can live. So our instructors now are models. Who are they? How would we go forward with somebody else's experience to inform ours? That's the question today. It's a difficult question and one we're all asking ourselves at some point. Are you with me? Somebody give me an earth hallelujah. The eagle is strong. Is strong. It is said that the eagle can fly along, look down, and see a young lamb or a young animal grazing in a meadow by a mountainside and swoop down upon that unsuspecting lamb or animal and grab him in the strength of his paws or feet and fly away to yonder I see peace hit the talking heads like amazing facial tics. I see orangutans debating the mahogany loggers. I got to be surreal sometimes to understand. I see the plain truth rising like a 50s Japanese lizard. I see rec rooms devour Rupert Murdoch in front of his sons. I got to be exorcised sometimes to understand. I see new drug laws that give prosecutors no time to play with. I see the fine print open like a prison door. I got to be impossible sometimes to understand. I got to be surreal. I got to be exorcised. I got to be impossible sometimes to understand. You see, the Starbucks mermaid got her nipples back. You see, fake bohemianism swallowed by your sidewalks. You got to be surreal sometimes to understand. You see, the stock exchange paying for itself for once. You see, the CEO cannot cash his welfare check. You got to be exorcised sometimes. To understand. You see, the tourists walk back 
words out of their pollution. You see them go home and demand a local paradise. You see, you got to be impossible sometimes to understand. I got to be surreal. I got to be exorcised. I got to be impossible. Impossible sometimes. Sometimes. To understand. To understand. To understand. said that the eagle can fly with such swiftness that his wings can be heard rowing in the air. And at the approach of a storm, he can... And Reverend Billy back again. Hello. Well, speaking directly to that question of how can we have models, heroes, teachers, mentors, 
when we are in a situation that is so unprecedented, this planetary scale threat coming to us from climate change. Well, I'm going to give you an example of a couple activists. I'm just going to talk about what they went through. But I would argue generally that there are lots of activists through history that faced what they thought were unprecedented circumstances, who fought their way through it, somehow persevered, and changed the world for the better. My examples, Rachel Carson and Pete Seeger. Rachel Carson wrote the book Silent Spring, a bestseller that really launched the modern environmental movement. And the Environmental Protection Agency comes from her work. Pete Seeger sang about the eagles that were disappearing from his beloved Hudson River. Now, the two of them, Rachel Carson and Pete Seeger, how come they had so much power? They were all alone. She, a female scientist, up against the chemical industry in the 60s, never really had been opposed by anybody, let alone a woman. Pete Seeger, he's a guy with a guitar. He's a folk singer. How does a folk singer have any kind of impact on our lives, our, our, our political life? But by the end of their struggle against DDT, this chemical that was getting into the eggs of bald eagles, and they were crushing the eggs in the nest. The eggshells were too thin as a result of the toxicity. By the time that, that Rachel Carson and Pete Seeger had come, to, of course, Rachel, Rachel Carson died before she got to see the results of, of a lot of her work. But Pete Seeger lived a long, long time. And he got to see the, the results. They changed our world. And they were, at the beginning of that struggle, now there are eagles everywhere up and down the Hudson. I've seen them myself. They succeeded, and we will also. As strange as it feels right now, even with Climate Week last week, it just didn't feel like there was enough going on. It still feels like the fossil fuel companies just are having their own way. We, the CO2 increasing every month, we will persevere. And it will be partly because of the example of Rachel Carson and Pete Seeger. Somebody give me an earth hallelujah. And the most important verse was the one they made up in Montgomery, Alabama. Said, we are not afraid. There's a lot of people in this world, they know what's right and what's wrong, but they're not gonna do anything about it. Somebody has to be willing to sing, we are not afraid.
set bills or harness in a peculiar way. It is said that the eagle builds a nest uh, in a kind of a huge fashion. Hello, welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. For the first time, scientists report that even without a central brain, jellyfish can learn from past experiences like humans, mice, and flies do. Scientists trained Caribbean box jellyfish to learn to spot and dodge obstacles. The study challenges previous notions that advanced learning requires a centralized brain and sheds light on the evolutionary roots of learning and memory. No bigger than a fingernail, these seemingly simple jellies have a complex visual system with 24 eyes embedded in their bell-like body. Living in mangrove swamps, the animal uses its vision to steer through murky waters and swerve around underwater tree roots to snare prey. Scientists demonstrated that the jellies could acquire the ability to avoid obstacles through associative learning, a process through which organisms form mental connections between sensory stimulations and behaviors. The Gulf Stream transport of water through the Florida Strait has slowed by 4% over the past four decades, with a 99% certainty that this weakening is more than expected from random chance. The Gulf Stream, which is a major ocean current off the U.S. East Coast and a part of the North Atlantic Ocean Circulation, plays an important role in weather and climate, and a weakening could have significant implications. The Gulf Stream affects regional weather, climate, and coastal conditions including European surface air temperature and precipitation, coastal sea level along the southeastern U.S., and North Atlantic hurricane activity. According to new research by a team from the University of Liverpool, humans were building structures made of wood half a million years ago, much earlier than was previously thought possible. The research published in the journal Nature reports on the excavation of well-preserved wood at the archaeological site of Colombo Falls, Zambia dating back at least 476,000 years and predating the evolution of Homo sapiens. Expert analysis of stone tool cut marks on the wood show that these early humans shaped and joined two large logs to make a structure, probably the foundation of a platform or part of a dwelling. This is the earliest evidence from anywhere in the world of the deliberate crafting of logs to fit together. Until now, evidence for the human use of wood was limited to its use for making fire, digging sticks, and spears. Wood is rarely found in such ancient sites as it usually rots and disappears, but at Colombo Falls, permanently high water levels preserved the wood. This discovery challenges the prevailing view that Stone Age humans were nomadic. For the first time in a unique laboratory experiment at CERN, researchers have observed individual atoms of anti-hydrogen fall under the effects of gravity. In confirming antimatter and regular matter are gravitationally attracted, the finding rules out gravitational repulsion as the reason why antimatter is largely missing from the observable universe. Scientists have for the first time recovered RNA from an extinct species, the Tasmanian tiger, raising hope for the resurrection of animals once thought lost forever. RNA has never been extracted and sequenced from an extinct species before, said Love Dalen, a Stockholm University professor of evolutionary genomics who co-led the project. The ability to recover RNA from extinct species constitutes a small step toward maybe being able to resurrect extinct species in the future, he said. Dalen and his team were able to sequence RNA molecules from a 130-year-old Tasmanian tiger specimen preserved at room temperature in Sweden's Museum of Natural History.
New research suggests that ultrasound may have potential in treating a group of harmful chemicals known as PFAS to eliminate them from contaminated groundwater. Unlike other traditional destruction methods that attempt to break down PFAS by reacting them with oxidizing chemicals, ultrasound works to purify these substances by emitting sound at a frequency much lower than typically used for medical imaging. Ultrasound's low-pitched pressure waves compresses and pulls apart the solution, which then creates pockets of vapor called cavitation bubbles. As the bubbles collapse, they gain so much momentum and energy that it compresses and overcompresses, heating up the bubble. Much like powerful combustion chambers, the temperatures inside these tiny bubbles can reach up to 10,000 Kelvin, and it is this heat that breaks down the stable carbon-fluorine bonds that PFAS are made of and renders the byproducts essentially harmless. Unfortunately, this degradation method can be costly and extremely energy-intensive, but with few other options, it may be something the public needs to consider investing in to protect groundwater for drinking and other uses. In an exciting discovery, a new species of tarantula with electric blue coloration was found in Thailand. This is the first tarantula species ever found in a Thai mangrove forest. Blue is one of the rarest colors to appear in nature, which makes blue coloration in animals particularly fascinating. To appear blue, an object needs to absorb very small amounts of energy while reflecting high-energy blue light. An excavation in Turkey has brought to light an unknown Indo-European language. Professor Daniel Schwemmer, an expert for the ancient Near East, is involved in investigating the discovery. The new language was discovered in the UNESCO World Heritage Site Bogaskoy Hatusha in north-central Turkey. This was once the capital of the Hittite Empire, one of the great powers of Western Asia during the Late Bronze Age, between 1650 and 1200 BC. Excavations in Bogaskoy Hatusha have been going on for more than 100 years. Almost 30,000 clay tablets with cuneiform writing have been found there so far. Mussels are among the ultimate superfoods, high in vitamin B12, omega-3, and great for the human heart. Now new research shows they are also likely to withstand marine heat waves by adjusting their body functions. In an experiment testing the impact of a marine heat wave on large and small mussels, both sizes came through with flying colors, demonstrating their remarkable ability to cope with environmental stress, despite short-term physiological changes. Mussels are vital to marine ecosystems, playing critical roles in recycling nutrients and improving water quality in coastal systems by filtering large volumes of water while feeding, which helps to keep the water clean. At least nine orcas have died after getting trapped in commercial fishing equipment off the coast of Alaska in 2023 so far. This figure is already significantly higher than many previous years combined, raising speculation that the increase in fatalities could be the result of a new behavior within the species. NOAA Fisheries released a statement explaining that they've received 10 separate reports on orcas becoming trapped in fishing boats around Aleutian Island and the Bering Sea this year. One of those individuals managed to escape alive, but the remaining nine died. It is estimated that there are around 50,000 killer whales globally, around 2,500 of which dwell in the eastern North Pacific Ocean around this part of Alaska. Incidents like this have happened in the past, but they are rare. A previous NOAA report found that just five orcas had died in the Bering Sea and Aleutian Islands fisheries of Alaska between 2016 and 2020. 
These statistics have been affirmed by anecdotal reports among fishermen who say that encounters with orcas are becoming increasingly common in Alaskan waters. Some of the sailors have reported orcas approaching their ships more often and using it as an opportunity to hunt fish. This, they claim, seems to be a part of a new behavior. And now the sounds of extinction, the corpse flower. An international group of scientists has issued an urgent call for coordinated action to save the iconic genus Rafflesia, which contains the world's largest flowers. This follows a new study which found that most of the 42 species are severely threatened. Over two-thirds of the plant's habitats are unprotected and at risk of destruction. Rafflesia, one of the greatest botanical enigmas, has aroused curiosity among scientists for centuries. The plant is a parasite that infects tropical vines and jungles across Southeast Asia, including Brunei, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, and Thailand. For most of its life cycle, Rafflesia is hidden from sight, existing as a system of thread-like filaments that invades its host. At unpredictable intervals, the parasite produces a cabbage-like bud that breaks through the vine's bark and eventually forms a giant five-lobed flower up to a meter across. This produces a foul scent of rotting meat to attract pollinating flies, earning it the alternative name corpse flower. All 42 Rafflesia species are under threat. Rafflesia species often have highly restricted distributions, making them particularly vulnerable to habitat destruction. The study found that many of the remaining populations contain only a few individuals located in unprotected areas at critical risk of conversion for agriculture. Attempts to propagate Rafflesia in botanic gardens have had limited success, which makes habitat conservation an urgent priority. And hear the sound of flies pollinating the corpse flower. people have come to me uh, telling me, calling me about the subject. Some of them said the eagle stirs his nest. And back again. Now it's time to say thank you and goodbye. We have many people contributing today to the Earth Riot radio show, which is, we're trying to do one thing here with you. It's the struggle to find a, a better, more powerful way to defend the earth. Our activism needs to power up. And so today we went to Reverend C.L. Franklin and his, Aretha Franklin's father and his eagle preaching. I've got to be impossible, the fiery eagles of justice, the eagles again. And that would be Nehemiah Luckett on the organ, Brendan Burke on the drums. Jason Candler, the editor of Earth Riot on the saxophone, the fabulous unknown, the Stop Shopping Choir, Miss Music and Kim from Philadelphia, 
working with Savitri and myself to create that song, which will be featured tomorrow at the Earth Church service, 3 p.m. Sundays on Avenue C. Come on and join us. Pete Seeger and Rachel Carson. We shall overcome and the silent spring, Rachel Carson's hit. Examples of models of people that show the way forward by the lives they're living. And now we have a, an interview coming up after I say goodbye. Barbara Ehrenreich struggles to talk about her personal connection to the natural world, to the life force. Now, that is what we believe is the thing that will power up our activism, a kind of activism that is the earth. We're made of the materials of the earth. We're animated with the life of the earth, but we don't really use it as we oppose the killers of the earth, BlackRock, J.P. Morgan Chase, Exxon. So let's, let's listen now to Barbara Ehrenreich in an interview about her book, Living with a Wild God. Somebody give me an earth hallelujah. With that backdrop of, of a history of atheism in your family comes the event at Lone Pine, or the encounter mm. at Lone Pine, which is the, the heart of the book um, that you describe and that was really at the center of that, of that thick reddish folder that you saved for yourself. I'm in the center of this book. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what you experienced that day at Lone Pine? Well, it's, it, you know, this is hard to talk about, and that's why I didn't talk about it all my life until this book. You yeah. know, this is like coming out. I'm telling you what I've never told people before. Uh, it was, I, I realized years later, the ex phrase would be a mystical experience. I experienced it as, a, as an encounter with something, something larger than myself, I'm sure, <laughs> but I, I would not say a deity. Um, it was like the whole world had burst into flame. Everything was alive and flaming and it was overwhelming. It was so overwhelming that it was shattering. I couldn't hold this in my mind. I couldn't. And it was, the whole thing lasts of you walking and experiencing this, this cataclysmic <laughs> event as you describe it, lasted how long for you? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I mean, probably the actual, you know, point of uh, kind of the ecstatic, both in good ways and bad ways, encounter, um, you know, it's probably, we're probably talking about minutes. Um, I don't know, though. I had no watch. I didn't know what was going on. And, and then I kept coming back through that whole day, which we spent for some reasons, which were very complicated, in Death Valley. One, two, three.